This show is presented by SAP. Who am I and how am I feeling? I'm Clive Owen and I'm great, thanks. What if businesses could really understand how their customers feel? It's a thing. It's SAP Experience Management. For more, go to sap.com xm. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kids-sized prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729-811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Welcome everyone to episode 134 of the NBA podcast. Today we need to say bye Felicia to the teams that got knocked out in the Western Conference first round. So that includes the Oklahoma City Thunder, Portland Trail Blazers, Minnesota Timberwolves, and San Antonio Spurs. We'll be breaking down all of the big questions that await them this offseason. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find our Twitter handle, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network, so check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Joining me today, as always, is my very stable genius of a co-host, Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? Well, it's going well, Brian. I'm, I'm looking at the playoff standings right now, and I'm... Um, kind of loving where we are at only two game seven so i'm not forced into watching four games of- hi it's jamie progressive's employee of the month two months in a row leave a message at the hi jamie it's me jamie i just had a new idea for our song about the name your price tool so when it's like tell us what you want to pay hey 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 and the trombone goes blah 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 and you say we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes savings coming at you savings coming at you yes no maybe anyway see your practice tonight i got new lyrics for the rap break Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right? <laughs> yeah. That, very soon. Yeah. That, that's going to be nice. And uh, we, we get to just slander some teams for the next hour. So that's going to be fun, too. Well, you know me. I don't slander. I critique, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mort. So let's start with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because they have, obviously, the one of the dilemmas of the summer. Paul George is widely expected to decline his player option for 2018-19, become an unrestricted free agent. What do you think happens with him, Mort? Do you think he stays in OKC? Does he go to the Lakers? Does he go somewhere else? So this is going to be a hot take. This is going to be scorching hot. I think you go to Paul George this summer. Mm -hmm. You tell him, we really want you back. Mm -hmm. We're willing to give you a max. And we promise to trade Russell Westbrook. Ooh. Wow. Well, what's his incentive to stay then? Well, you trade Russell Westbrook for a player that will actually play team basketball. <laughs> All right. So we're going to the Westbrook discussion now too. I like it. Yes, we are. Because, look, I, yeah. I know you had a whole bunch of bullet points here. And yeah. I, I'm on. I Look, sorry, but I don't care. Let's talk about Westbrook because yeah, he's the fair. problem. And he's not a problem in the, oh, he's a problem for the opponents. No, he's a problem for his own damn team. Yeah, I I don't disagree. I, I said it last night on Twitter. I said that this was like the most, game six was the most live by the Westbrook, die by the Westbrook Completely. game. Possibly of his career. Because right. like, 
he was, you know, you look at the box score, and he was phenomenal. Like, if if you're just looking at pure... The raw stats. Right, like 46 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. You know, Paul George was 2 of 16 from the field, had more turnovers, 6, than points, mm. 5. But then you also look, and you say, all right, Westbrook had 46 points on 43 shots. Right. He took 19 three-point attempts. Look, we, we, <laughs> yeah, we, we need to get real about this for a moment. Russell Westbrook is 29 years old. He's going to be 30. He's going to be 30 this year. Yeah, in November. In November. And next year, he has a $205 million extension kicking in. Yep. Can we agree that his athleticism is a huge part of his game? Oh, absolutely. Can we also agree that usually that does not have a strong track record (laughs) of holding up? We most certainly can, yes. Okay. And can we also agree that he is more focused on triple doubles and stats than he is anything else, really? At least, can we agree that it's a discussion? I I would still say, I mean, I don't think he's like, I, I think if you had, you know, gave him the option of like, do you want to average a triple double or win a championship? He would say win a championship, but his style of play does not always indicate that. Mm, fair. The Oklahoma City Thunder need to trade Russell Westbrook this summer, 2018. I I mean you you're right that it is it's bad. It's like it's a jarring take, but I don't entirely disagree. Like it's there's a lot of factors that go into this. Yes, so, there is. <laughs> so if Paul George leaves, I don't think you could do it because then you just have like washed up Mello as your number one star, most likely, and that's not going to go over well with the fan base and. You know, the, the fan base has an attachment to him because yes, James Harden got traded, Kevin Durant left, Westbrook's the one who says he wants to stay there forever. He signed the contract extension. Like, there is, you know, perceived loyalty from Russell Westbrook to the organization. So I think, you know, you can't consider really what fans think about when you're making these big decisions or else, you know, like, Fans got mad when Sam Hinkie traded Michael Carter-Williams and looked at how that worked out. So, right. you know, the, you have to do what's best for your basketball organization. And I agree, Mort. Like, that contract is going to be very bad by the end of it. I, it's I, not you know, just going to be bad at the end of it. It's going to be bad in the middle of it. Yeah, it's it's going to be very... It's going to be, like, prohibitive to build around... Russell Westbrook, because he's making 35% of the salary cap starting next season. So it's going to be very difficult, you know, between him and Steven Adams alone. And Steve Adams, this is not an insult to Steven Adams, who's an excellent player. But right. those two guys alone are making, what, $59.5 million. The salary cap's going to be $101 million. So, like, OKC is in cap hell, regardless of what happens with Paul George. Because mm. we... We can agree that Carmelo Anthony is going to, he is not going to decline his $27.9 million player no, option. I don't care. Yeah, like he might be upset that he got benched toward the end of games five and six, but like he's not recouping that money on the free agent market this summer. He's going to just cash his checks for one more year. 
then he might go ring chasing in 2019. But, like, OKC's kind of boned, at least in terms of roster construction, regardless of what happens with Paul George. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's at least a conversation that OKC needs to have, whether you... You know, I don't think you, again. It's what can you get back for Russell Westbrook? Oh, I'm I'm already I'm way ahead of you there. Okay, so what do you? Yeah, what would you? Who would you so, go after? So there's a recently hired GM who really loves star power. His owner does too. Oh no! And his owner is strangely enough affiliated with Russell Westbrook in terms of his shoe deal. Oh no! And Kemba oh, Walker no. is sort of on the market. Yeah. And you know Mitch Kupchak, he loves a star. Yep. That's not, and we also wrong. know that Charlotte, the Charlotte franchise, they really want to earn money. Yep. And they want to get butts and seeds and sell jerseys. Mm-hmm. There's a deal there. Some way, Who? somehow. I, I'm Who? not sure. I still need... Like, maybe Kemba, obviously. Kemba, then... Nick Batum, maybe. Like, to get out of... I mean, I, he's, he's, he's good... But you probably make that sacrifice also because of his deal, like right? Westbrook for those two. Some I don't know how it should be financed or how it should be or not how it should be completed, but mm. that that's kind of the the main things involved in that package. If you get Kemba Walker back and you play him with Paul George, I'm sorry, that's a lot. That's a much better duo. Yeah, OKC says no to that. I, I know they do, but that's <laughs> like they do because of the the emotional attachment, right? But can you honestly tell me at this point that Russell Westbrook is worlds ahead of Kemba Walker as a basketball player? I I think you still can. I think that the Westbrook hate there. I mean, there was a lot of Russell Westbrook slander after Game Four, uh, and even after Game Six because of. You know some of these dickhead shots that he took, especially toward the end. Mm-hmm. But I mean, he's still when he's on. Like when we what he, we saw from him in Game Five, there are a few players in the NBA who can single handedly take over a game like Russell Westbrook. Yeah, and one of them like, is Kemba Walker. I don't think I don't think Kemba Walker has as high of a ceiling as Russell Westbrook. I don't he might know, have I don't a know higher floor. Yeah, he has a higher floor, but that's important too because that's the day to day. Right. The day-to-day yeah, I, thing is important. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree with that, but I think Westbrook, It's I agree, it's going to be a challenge to build around him regardless of what happens with Paul George. But I think if you tell Paul George, hey, we're trading Russell Westbrook, but we're willing to re-sign you, he says, peace, I'm going to the Lakers. That, that's the thing. You, you have to... You have to turn it into a debate. You have to give him, like, an option. You have to tell Paul, look... We want to keep you, right? And we want to hear from you. Do you want to keep playing with Russ, yeah? Or do you want to go forward with somebody else? Because we'll make a deal. I'll go that far. I th- here here's what I'll say, and this is even a more scorching hot take. I think Russell Westbrook, at best, has another three seasons left of high performance. Hmm. At best, he's going to mm-hmm. decline athletically. That means right. his 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 ceiling is lowered in terms of his impact. Look, last yeah. year when he won the MVP, I, I was high on him when he made two hundred threes. He like the, the the highest he'd ever made was one hundred one the year before. Like he increased it by right. ninety nine, and he even like hit forty thirty four percent, 
like of those shots. Yeah. Now that's a, we're looking at it now. That was an anomaly. That was not right, the new standard. The yeah. That was the outlier. We are looking at a guy who is severely flawed in terms of his fundamentals. Look, look, let's let's just call it what it is. Steven Adams jumps out of the way to let Russ <laughs> grab those boards. Right. His 10 rebounds a game, that's a joke. It's always been yeah. a joke. Yeah. The playmaking is fine. He's turning the ball over at an insane degree, but he's doing that because he's a high-volume guy, so the, the, the turnover percentage isn't as bad as people make it out to be, but it's still there. It's still bad. Yeah. Going back to Kemba. Kemba is not that dependent on his athletic ability. He's got a ground game. He's got an established floor game. He can. He's a better shooter. He's a better pick and roll player. He's a better ball handler slash leader. He's there's just so much more to him, and he will age more gracefully than than Russ will. And regardless, he's he's gonna be on a cheaper contract as well. He's gonna be more manageable. I just don't. He's younger. He's right now. He's younger. Yeah. I he, I don't see a downside. He turns twenty eight in early may so he's right. like a year and a half younger. he'll but... fit perfectly with paul george's age yeah the problem is he's a free agent in 2019 so then you're you just... resign him yeah but like he could leave <laughs> you, he could, I mean, well you, yeah you could sign ideally, an extension you... yeah he's not resigning an extension for the right money no you you can't offer him enough money okay fair he's enough but he's was... a free agent fine but he'll have a year with paul george that's like the best teammate he's ever had yeah, I, I, I don't think... I mean, I think the, the only thing, if you're OKC, the the best pitch you can give Paul George is, A, we can give you more money, at right. least on a longer-term deal. B, Andre Robertson would have made a huge impact in that Utah series. Agreed. Like we, we were flawed without him. Yeah. We will have him back next year. We Like, let's run it back with, you know... Just opt into your or like. Don't even you can decline your player option. Sign a one plus one deal. Give us one more year, and let's see what happens. I mean, you know, obviously they'd offer a full five year max if he right. wants to go that route. But otherwise, they could say like, do the one plus one. Let's see what happens. You know, after that, Mello will be off the books as well. So then we can actually have a little bit more cap space to build around you and Russ and Stephen Adams. But with Roberson, like we we should be a more complete team. Yeah, we'll and be a more complete team. We'll make it out of the first round. Then Russ will shoot us to death in the second round. <laughs> right. But Come then, on. I mean, mean yes. Yeah, I like I, those are. That's the selling point for Paul George. I mean, that's that's all they have. I I I don't think in the first year of Westbrook's extension, I I don't think they would seriously consider trading him. I could be wrong, but no, I, I just get that. don't think it. And and like if they do. It's gonna send, you know, it's gonna send the same message that, um, that happened with Blake Griffin and the Pistons. Like, that sends kind of a bad message to fellow free agents. Like, hey, you know, this guy professed his loyalty to you, and you went up and traded him a year later. Like, what's, what's stopping you from doing the same to me? Like, I, I think that, that perception would stop OKC from making such a move. All right, so they want to maintain a perception that we are maxing out a player who is overwhelmingly flawed, who puts up a lot of empty stats, 
and is more often than not shooting us out of ball games. I mean, at the end of the day, we just have to be real about this. I know, look, I feel the same way as most do. Russell Westbrook is enormously entertaining. Like, he, I understand that he draws a lot of attention. He's fun. He is fun mm-hmm. to watch. He plays with his heart on his sleeve. As a fan, you love it. But is he, like, is he even better than Paul George? Like, I would argue of- he isn't. Like, where the defense uh, hasn't hasn't been existing yeah. on him for for five years. Yeah, like, and, and, and two way impact. I think it's more of an argument. But then look like look at what happened with Paul George last night. Like it's hard to ignore two of sixteen. Like he was not he was even awful. looking for his shot at the end of that game. Yeah, I I get that. But what twenty what forty three shots nineteen <laughs> threes. If you like, Duncan Smith had a good tweet. Like if you gave Steph Curry. 43 yeah, shots yeah. and 19 threes. Yeah. He would score a hell of a lot more points than 46 he points. Would, he would have 70 for sure. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think part of your thing for the pitch to Paul George as well is maybe Billy Donovan isn't the right coach for us. We need someone oh, yeah, who yeah. will who will keep Russell Westbrook more in check. And like, you know, yes, Westbrook is not a perfect player, but I think if you, you know, if if you find the right coach who can rein in some of those bad Russ tendencies. And maybe it's Billy Donovan. Maybe he sees his approach with Russ this year didn't work. And, like, Mm. you know, last year he needed Russ to do this because they just didn't have the complimentary talent around him. They were still shaken about the KD leaving. This year they had, you know, Melo's washed, but they had Paul George. Uh, They have Steven Adams. Like, they need to get guys more involved. I, I, I... Absolutely, a hundred percent agree that like this Westbrook is the alpha and the omega of our system. That is not a functional way to continue right moving forward. Like I, there is no disagreement for me there. I just don't think. I don't think that a they would trade him this summer, and b I think that the pitch to Paul George, you know, is like <laughs> help help us help Westbrook basically like. Take help a us larger help. role. <laughs> I get that. Yeah, no, so, it makes sense. You know, like so Westbrook doesn't shoot forty three times. Like, but you, that should be necessary. Here. Yeah, that, that shouldn't be necessary. And, and also, like, even if he's reined in, right? And you're, yeah. you've got, a, you've got a good point on that one. Like, if you could find a coach that could reel him in and make him more yep. effective, that's definitely a good thing. But then I'm looking at twenty twenty one, where he's thirty two years old. And he's going to be earning forty-one million a year, yeah, that season, and and onwards, it's going to be jumped to almost forty-four, and then it's going to jump to almost forty-seven. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be as effective either way. He's going to be furry, and he is athletically a marble, obviously, but it's not LeBron James caliber because LeBron James has a floor game that's so much more established, right. I, yeah. I just I see so many hurt, hurting months and years for OKC fans in the coming years regarding Westbrook. And I know you made a, a hell of a point earlier when you said there's a connection there with the fan base. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a problem. That It seems to me that Thunder fans are almost intertwined with Russ as like a, so there is one unit and not separate units. <laughs> right. That... If by trading Russ, you effectively just remove the heart of the fan. Yeah. 
That's a problem as well, because that gives you no flexibility when he goes rogue, which he does. And you and I are on Twitter a lot. We see Thunder fans defend Russ, even if he goes, you know, 12 of 37. Right. Which is ridiculous. I mean, I don't know what it is. There's something there that just does not work. And if, hell, if Thunder fans prefers the, the Russ that they have until he, you know, retires and... Fine, so be it. Then I'll just ignore that franchise because that's a bad plan. I think that's yeah. a very bad plan. Not adjusting during the middle of a of a, of a very very essential traveling uh, expedition where you go for the championship ring. I, I think that's you need to course correct. Yeah, I mean that's just how it is. But um, enough on Westbrook. We could fill a whole episode, but but I just think it's a problem. I think he should be traded. I think you should give Paul George that chance to determine the outcome. And maybe mm-hmm. it's because I look at Paul George and I see an intelligent basketball player. I think he sees these things. I, he's playing with Russ. I, I think he sees those lines and he sees the play and he goes, really? Really? You did that? Why? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> but again, like he had an opportunity to change things in game six at least and shot two of 16 yeah so, no like, no that's 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 fair paul george does not come without his warts either that's yeah, like perfectly playoff, accurate playoff p went missing and, uh <laughs> pp yeah no no he yeah. lived up to his name that game he yeah was pee-pee. right he he most certainly did play like pp but yeah. you know the rest of the series to his credit he played very well and like he mm-hmm. he along with westbrook i feel like game five was the perfect like example of like here's what you guys could do together if both of you guys are on your game like you were down 25 points in the third quarter and you still came back against the league's best defense yes gobert was in foul trouble which obviously had a huge impact like both of those guys were driving freely to the rim uh but like you know this is the fully actualized version like do this get roberson back convince anthony that he's washed and that he needs to come off the bench and like not play as many minutes like this could be something but Mm. i mean personally i i i think if we had to rank the likelihood of paul george staying or like rank the likelihood of his destinations this summer i think la is far and away number one yeah i think okc is still number two I think Philly is number three, and I think Philly should be higher, but he has oh, yeah. given no indication that he's considering that. No, but I like, I would agree. They should yeah. be number one, honestly. Like, that would just yeah. fit him like a glove. Yeah, if you're looking... It, it, it's like it all comes down to what he's looking for, which we don't know. Like, mm. is it... Do you, Is the money most important? Is winning most important? Or is it, like, do you want to be the face of your franchise? Because in in OKC you won't be with Russ, in Philly, you know you'll you'll share co billing with Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, but you're not going to be like the, the front and center no. star. The Lakers, you're going to be the front and center star, right? Like Brandon Ingram and, and Ball. homecoming. Yeah, right. And like those guys could get to that level one day, but right now, like Paul George would be, you know, what Carmelo Anthony was back in New York. Yeah. So if that's, like, what's most important to him, I, I mean, I think, really, that's, you know, those three options all point to one clear winner. If, if he wants to be the face of the franchise, he's going to Lakers. If he wants the money, he's staying in OKC. If he cares most about winning, he's going to Philly. Well, and Philly still has an advantage because 
like you said, he will he would have to share it, but he would still get top billing. Yeah, like right. he would he would have to share it, and you could you could win, and you could still earn a lot of money in Philly. Like it's not like you're limited to the mid level exception. Like you no, would get no, they the can max. make right. They they waive Jared or they stretch Jared Bayless there at the max for right. Paul George, not for LeBron, but. No, no, for but, Paul George, they're immediately there. Like they, they have to do zero legwork. It just, get the it seems like such yeah. a no-brainer to me that it should be Philly. I mean, and, yeah. and I mean that would also lessen the hurt when Mikael Bridges is not be drafted <laughs> by Philly. So, right, yeah, yeah, and uh, like in theory, I mean that you know it, that have going to a team like that if you have a two for sixteen game, it's not the end of the world. Whereas on a Lakers team, like you're gonna be expected to take 25 shots a game, so which isn't his game, right? So He's never I don't been his game. Yeah, like I don't know what's most important to him, and I think we'll infer a lot from his free agent decision this summer. Yeah. Wherever he chooses, I think we'll we'll learn a, a lot about what is driving where uh, he ends up. Man, I can't wait for Westbrook the year after if Paul George leaves. He'll be so happy because he can just focus on stats. Yeah, he can get a third straight season of triple doubling. Yeah, that's all that matters, so that's fine. <laughs> all right, enough Westbrook slander. Let's move on and slander, slander. Damian Lillard instead. No, I refuse to slander those guys. Come on. Do you? Because they play, I mean, they, CJ, as oh, you said, so was, bad, but, CJ yeah. was better than Dame. Dame played like shit in that series. Well, that, I, we just talked about Drew Holiday. Come on, I know. You mean that, but like yeah. thirty-five percent? I mean, oh, this guy's right. He could be an All NBA first team player. Like that yeah. was just a goose egg. Str- it was like, start to finish from Damian Lillard. Absolutely. So that begs the question, Mort. Portland is in terrible salary cap space. Or shape. Yes, they are. After their their uh, drunken spending spree of 2016, where they right. signed Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard, all of these big four year deals, yeah. So they even with with not even considering their restricted free agents and their unrestricted free agents, they already have 110 million dollars on the books for next season. The mm-hmm. salary cap is supposed to be somewhere I think at like 123 million, somewhere around there, like low 120s. So, do they need to break up Damon CJ? Nope. No. Look, this this playoff series, if that had not been a sweep, like if that had gone seven, mm-hmm. nobody would be asking this question. That's true. And shit happens. Look, Drew figured out Dame. Like sometimes a player just gets it. Yeah. Like he takes it and he is beaten straight up. Dame did not have response for Drew throughout four games. He could not figure out that defense. And you know what? That's fine. I am sure that Dame, the player that he is, is looking at that film again and again and again over the course of a summer going, okay, next time I'm up against Drew Holiday, I need to figure out how to avoid these things. Okay, Mm -hmm. he took away my right hand on these drives. Okay, he took away this angle on my jump shot here. Like, I I, def- I think there is still more to be had in that duo. I, yeah. I look, it's I don't think you alter that backcourt on four games. You, you don't. It's it's just too small of a bad sample size to where things just went wrong. 
things just yeah. went bad. It happens. I'm not there yet. Like if that had if this has been if this had been a trend of his for years, I would have said yes long ago. But it hasn't. Like this is the first. I'm just gonna look at his numbers, like playoff numbers. I don't think I've ever looked at the efficiency. Like okay, playoffs in advanced when you look at Basketball Reference. Mm-hmm. Like he was fine the first four times he was in the playoffs. Wasn't yeah. <clears throat> like didn't shatter worlds like Thanos, but I mean <laughs> it was it was fine. I mean it was like all star level. Yeah. This is the first time around that he really struggled. He had a nine point five PER and a true shooting oh. percentage of forty seven. Like that was just so bad. But it's a grand total of one hundred and sixty two minutes. I'm not yeah. ready to make that decision based on 162 minutes no no for me i'm giving that's them fair. one more year yeah that, that i mean i think that series surfaced a lot of the concerns we've had about portland for a long time mm. is that you a those guys are an undersized backcourt so defensively that leads to some challenges and it leads to some matchup advantages when you know pelicans as we said earlier have a likewise undersized backward but that wasn't an issue against portland like it will be against golden state right two if one of those guys isn't going off they don't have the complimentary players like it should be yusuf nurkic but he no showed because he had no chance against anthony davis right and like alfaruk aminu you know put up 17 points nine rebounds that's uh, frankly better than you could have expected from him oh yeah but you know, Evan Turner missed one of those games. Mo Harkless missed two of those games. Like, Ed Davis, Zach Collins, Napier, Pat Connaughton, they're all fine players, but, like, you can't count on them to be that number three option if Dame or CJ is struggling. So, I'm with you. I don't think it's necessarily time to break up this backcourt, but I think it's more of a conversation now than it was before the series. And, you know... I don't think Portland should go into this summer saying we were the number three seed. We're totally fine. Cause like what? They were the number three seed by one game. Yeah. You know, how, how close were they to, they were oh, no, three no, games I, from missing I don't think the they playoffs. do though. Do you yeah. think, do you think they do that? I don't, I mean, look, even if you felt comfortable at the three spot, yeah, getting swept regardless right. of who you were swept right. against, I don't think you go into the summer going, we're fine. Right. And that leads to the next question then is now we need to look at their free agents. Mm. Yusuf Nurkic is the big one, obviously. Yeah. If they re-sign him, they're going to be in the luxury tax. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, not counting any of their other free agents. Right. So what do you do with Yusuf Nurkic? You look at Nurkic and Collins and you make it a call. You make a call. You figure out what... Who who you think has the higher ceiling? Mm-hmm. Zach Collins could fit in like as an offensive big on this team as like a glove because he can shoot yep. and he's multifaceted. Yep. Now here's the thing you need to figure out with Nurkic. You need to figure out if he can shoot the three. Yeah. I, I mentioned this on this podcast at least three times already. I'm gonna mention it a fourth. Mm-hmm. Nurkic has every mechanic like in his shooting motion to be able to shoot the three. We've seen him hit pure step-back jump shots over an extended DeMarcus Cousins from 20 feet away from the basket. 
this guy has some shooting ability. It's just a question of can he mentally get outside the three-point line and start hitting threes. Right. If he can, then he and Zach Collins together would be a very nice bet in the long-term future. And Lord knows they're young enough to you know, be long-term projects. Like Nurkic is 23, 24. Collins mm-hmm. is 20. So there's, I mean, there's definitely some more potential to be squeezed. But if Nurkic, like if you have a conversation with Nurkic and you tell him, you know, we plan to use you as sort of a spot-up three-point shooter on occasion, much like Jonas Valanciunas, and he reacts negatively to that and goes, well, that's not my game, mm-hmm. then I think he kind of made that decision for you. Yeah. And then you yeah. move forward with Collins and you put every ounce of the development coaching staff's attention to him. Right. Yeah, I mean, to your point about him being a, a pretty good mid-range shooter, from 16 feet up until three-point range, he shot 37.6% this past year, 37.3% over his four-year career. So you're right. Like In theory, it shouldn't be that huge of a development for him mm-hmm. to start hitting those threes. But this, I mean, throughout his career, he has yet to hit one. He's only taken right. 13. So, yeah, I mean we've seen this everywhere. Like this is the way the NBA is going. And even these traditional bigs like a Nurkic, you know, Marcus Gasol had to add it to his game. Al Horford had to add it to his game. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins. DeMarcus Cousins. Jonas Valanciunas. Yeah. Yeah. Like Nikola Vucevic as well. Like all of these, Brooke Lopez too. Powell Gasol too. Yeah. Like this is just a necessary ingredient. If you're going to be, a good starting long-term center. You don't have to hit 45% from three-point range, Mm-mm. but you need to be a threat from that. Like yeah. We see a guy like Hassan Whiteside get played off the goddamn floor because he isn't a threat from three-point range and he can't cover three-point shooting bigs. You don't have a role. Like, right. you know, It's just teams aren't going to run 100 post-up plays for a post-up big anymore. Like That's just not... An efficient shot compared to a three, a corner three. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think the question for Portland is: Are you willing to pay the luxury tax for a team that is significantly below a Golden State and a Houston? We don't know what's going to happen with a lot of these other contenders or like the the next like second tier teams. Like, if Kawhi comes back, the Spurs, I would put them above Portland. If the Thunder just run it back and stay healthy and get Roberson back. I think they're probably still above Portland as well. So like you're you know, you're paying the luxury tax for a team that's at best probably like the fourth or fifth best team in the West, like assuming everyone stays healthy on every team. So to that point, like you know, I know you gave up a lot for Nurkic a year ago, mm. but man, it's really hard to justify keeping him, right? Like you you gave up right uh I guess, yeah, it's just like, do you, this is like the thing we always talk about. Do you double down on your mistake, basically? Or yeah. do you just say, like, you know what? We can't. We can't do this. Like, we have to just. Maybe just... I'm maybe I'm being too optimistic here. But when I look at this Portland team, like, the 14 players participated in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. None are over 30. So I look at that roster and I feel there's there's still more potential to come. I know that CJ and Dame specifically are 
well, they're close to being maxed out of their potential. Like they they are getting the high minutes and they are in their primes. I don't think we're gonna see like major leaps from them. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's a good question that you pose here because it it really is. Do you trust Yusuf Nurkic to keep developing? Like in right. a nutshell, that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tough question. I don't know, but I do trust that there are a lot of other guys on that roster that will develop further. Like Caleb Swanigan, I think he's got some real potential. We all yeah. I already mentioned Zach Collins. Wade Baldwin was very disappointing in Memphis. He didn't play a, a lot this year as well in Portland. But I think there's something there. When he came out, like he was a three and D point guard. Mm-hmm. I don't think that magically goes away. I think that's in there somewhere. It can be unlocked. Maybe not to reach the potential he had coming into the draft, but as a backup, potentially, why not? I mean I still I feel there's something left on this Portland squad that I would feel is a wasted opportunity if you don't see what it is. And if that includes Nurkic, that's the big question. Like because again, like <laughs> you just said it, if you don't adjust and shoot that three, there's a ceiling. There's a significant yeah. ceiling. Either yeah. he has to become an elite defender, <laughs> really, like an elite right. defender, or he has to become a multifaceted big. So I would probably roll the dice on Nurkic, and then if things don't work out necessarily, I would nene him. So mm. re-sign him yeah. only to trade yeah. him later. Yeah. And see, because I could put a lot of development into Nurkic and then say, okay, even if you don't shoot the three and you don't become like a an elite defender, we can still polish what you do, you know, what you can do right now. Like maybe we turn you into a better rebounder. Maybe we polish off the passing because he's got some nice passing angles. Like he understands how to pass. He mm-hmm. can rebound, he can block shots. So maybe you fine tune all those things. And then you determine when he's somewhat of a finished product, you know, you trade him for something that's more fitting. I don't know. I just, I would, I wouldn't feel good if I'm Portland just to leave an asset. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I agree. It, it, the problem is, like, if you re-sign him, you're already in the tax. Yeah. Now you've got Ed Davis as an unrestricted free agent. Shabazz Napier is a restricted free agent. Pat Connaughton's a restricted free agent. So just to retain those guys oh, would yeah. cost multiple yeah. of their salary because you're in the tax. And again, like, this is the best you're hoping for is the three seed. Like, this, this season was really, at least in terms of the regular season was the best possible outcome you can hope for if you're Portland because you are still a tier below Golden State and Houston. So, like, you can't really add anyone of import unless, again, you're willing to pay multiple of their, uh, however much their contract is. So, I mean, like, I ask these questions and I don't know the answers. I don't think there are good answers. I kind of think Portland's screwed until... You know, the Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, Mo Harkless contracts come off the books because, like, well, Dame and CJ are making close to, I mean, Dame's at almost $28 million next year. CJ's at almost 26 mm. That's $54 mil right there. And then you've got Evan Turner, Mo Harkless, Myers Leonard. Evan Turner's at almost 18 Mo Harkless is 11 Myers is a 10 and a half. Right. Like, no, it's a those, lot. Yeah, with those five guys alone, you're almost at the cap already. Okay, question then. Because they're young, and because they have mm-hmm. Zach Collins and Caleb Swanigan, both are like 20 and 21, do you, do you offer someone the 24th pick in this year's draft? And mind mm-hmm. you, 
this year's draft is not as deep as last year's. Like after right. the first ten or twelve picks, maybe fourteen, there is a severe like jump in quality or not <laughs> fall in quality rather. Mm-hmm. They have the twenty fourth pick. Yeah. Do you see if someone takes that for like Myers Leonard? Like if you take on Myers Leonard's deal? Oh hell yeah! Oh my yeah. god, absolutely! Right? Like, like oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I've I've seen split opinions on this. I've seen people say we'll only give up twenty fourth if it means Evan Turner's off the books. And and oh no, the reasoning for enough. the I would agree that I I kind of get the reasoning behind it. I I disagree with it, but I kind of get why Portland fans say this. They mentioned that the twenty fourth pick. Is cost controlled for four years, uh-huh. and it's one of the only ways to sort of have a chance of getting that third type of star. Like maybe they, someone they draft could turn into that. I get the logic Ooh. behind it, but at twenty fourth, no. it's just such a long shot that I just yeah. I would just go the route of saying get Myers Leonard off the books for the twenty right. fourth. I would just 20, do that. Twenty four is not nearly enough to, or if it's enough to get Evan Turner off the books, congratulations, Portland. You're oh yeah, that's swindled. a slam dunk, right? But yeah. I, like at least Evan Turner, yeah. I mean, he's not living up to his eighteen million dollar salary, which of course he's not. But right. like at least he's playing. I mean, Myers Leonard's not even playing. Like he's not doing anything, and he's he taking played two hundred fifty four minutes this year. Right, like th- that's the worst contract. I mean, in terms of like value provided to your team. Right. That's the biggest albatross on your team. Yes, Evan Turner is making more money, but he's at least contributing to in some capacity. Like Myers Leonard is doing absolutely nothing. He's just stealing eleven million dollars to not play basketball. Right. And he's gonna be let me look at the numbers here. It's almost gonna be twenty two million that Myers Leonard is, is earned yeah. or owed um yep. after this year. Yep. Twenty two million so yep. basically, a team would pay twenty two million to take on the twenty fourth pick. That's a that's yeah. also a pretty high a price. Yeah. It is. That's why I was kind of, I was I was kind of surprised to see Portland fans argue that it should be Evan Turner because then you'd be paying no. thirty five million. Yeah. For and that's, like, that's look at, yeah. Look at what the bull like the Bulls gave up Nico, who is a productive player, and yeah. they took back Omer Sheik and a first round pick, which is what in, it's in that low twenties range as well. Twenty two. Right? Yeah, like it's that's not enough. You're not it's a, a low pick, plus right. you're not yeah. you're, you're just not gonna be able to offload that much salary. I mean, again, if you do, congratulations. But like any GM should ask for more. Maybe it's another first round pick down the line, like a heavily protected or lottery protected or whatever, and then you could start. You know. Two first round picks to get off one of those contracts? Yeah, that that would probably do it. But mm. yeah, no, that one the number twenty four pick is not enough to get out of Evan Turner's deal. And frankly, getting out of Myers Leonard's deal should be the bigger priority because that would free up. I mean, again, shed that close to what is he? He's at ten point six million next year. Right now, it starts like then you start to be able to have the conversation. All right, we can re-sign Yusuf Nurkic and maybe stay under the luxury tax. Like that would be a huge win. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think they absolutely should be looking for ways to get out one of those deals, preferably Leonard. The twenty-four pick should absolutely be up for grabs. That's probably their best 
their best move they can make this offseason. Right. And I should mention, like, the Portland fans on Twitter, that's obviously Twitter. I mean, right. this is not coming from the organization. Just, <laughs> right. 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 I just wanted to point that out. Very important. Yeah. yeah. All right, Mort. Let's switch now to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, there are a bunch of questions with them as well. They, they have, like, unlike Portland and uh, OKC, at least they don't have any, like, major contract decisions to make this summer aside mm-hmm. from Carl Anthony Towns, which like if you're the Timberwolves where you're giving him a max extension on July 1st, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah you, you have to, I don't like his, his progression of late, but you've got to, I mean, right. he's just too special not to. Yeah. Yeah. If you max out Andrew Wiggins, you're maxing out Carl Anthony. Towns. Yeah, exactly. Like not only are you maxing him out, but you're giving him one of the designated extensions yeah, where yeah, if he yeah. makes Absolutely. an all-NBA team like right. that you know that's probably worth negotiating with him like it, with Joel Embiid's extension he only gets the 30 percent if he's first team all-NBA MVP or DPOY and <laughs> hey Carl Anthony Towns earn DPOY <laughs> right <laughs> that's well but for Towns like you might want to make it you know that same criteria rather than like it could be any of the all nba teams Mm. and like he actually could make one either this year or next year so if you're minnesota you you, i think the decision to max him out is not a decision you're obviously doing that it's like which criteria do you allow for him to hit that 30 percent threshold and that i think is more fair i i think if uh you know, maybe say you get 30 if you hit all NBA first, 27.5 if you hit the second, whatever. Like, bake some uh, some contingencies in there so you're not paying him 30 if he gets all NBA third team because that's very realistic next year. Yeah, I would agree. Instead, we need to ask first about their coach because, I mean, we, we ragged on him a lot throughout the year and a lot of the same problems we had on him during the season came up in the playoffs as well yeah. so I, I, he right now he has control over personnel as well as he's the head coach of the team mm-hmm. do you think minnesota needs to revisit either side of that i think they need to just rid themselves of, of tips now Here, i just want to say one thing because people have misunderstood what i've said about tips um mm-hmm. When he was in Chicago, like, yes, he would overplay some of his guys, but it mm. was never this bad. It was never this bad as it's been this year in Minnesota. Virtually no one off the bench played. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So I just want to just <laughs> make that separation between Chicago tips and Minnesota mm-hmm. tips because that's not the same dude. Yeah. While I was defending Chicago tips, it was because they needed to have like a two-way player on the court because guard packs more or less started drafting one-way players. So, <laughs> right. so the need for having like a Luol Deng or a Jimmy Butler type on the court at all times was, or a, or a Joakim Noah, who at that point in time was a two-way player because he could contribute offensively. That was that was necessary to just yeah. win games. In Minnesota, you had Gorgie Jang off the bench. You had Tyus yep. Jones. I mean, you had guys who could participate and play and contribute, but you wouldn't allow them to. Like, yep. Tips became, you know, a character, a parody of himself. 
this yeah. year. And because of that, I would just go as far as say, you know what? If you double down on yourself in this capacity, you're not going to improve. You're not going to learn. Yeah. Like, yeah. we've talked about this before. He spent the year off he, that he had visiting with virtually every franchise right. in the NBA, trying to pick people's brains. And if you come out of a meeting with Greg Popovich and you think, oh, I should stick to my own shit, then yeah. you have a problem. Right. Right. So I think we we have yet to hear what the Pistons are going to do with Stan Van Gundy, so this is going to be a similar situation. But I think if you're Minnesota, you should strip personnel control right away. And if that causes Tibbs to resign, so be it. Otherwise, I would keep him as head coach just because you've got a big... I mean, this this coming season, like 2017-18 was a big season for them. They snapped the playoff drought. Uh, they, you know, they got Jimmy Butler and Taj and like they mm. got, they really took a step forward in their rebuild, which is great. This coming season is huge for them because Jimmy Butler is going to be a free agent or he, right. I mean, he could, he, you know, he could opt into his $19.8 million player option for 2019, 20, but he is not going to barring a catastrophic career threatening injury. Jeff Teague, we don't know. He's got a 19 million player option for 2019, 20, but like they've got, I mean, they have all their guys coming back, or all their core guys coming back for right. this season. <clears throat> so I don't necessarily think you want going into that and like coming off of, frankly, in terms of wins, I think it was their best season since, it was definitely since the Kevin Garnett era. I forget if yeah. it was 2003 or four, 2004 or five. So I don't think you want to like throw out his whole system and make all those guys learn a new system going into this. That said, if he sticks to his the same, like, overplaying his starters, not trusting his bench, or, you know, if they bring back Derrick Rose and becoming over-reliant on a Derrick Rose, then I think it's a conversation you have either during the middle of next season or ideally after next season when you're, you know, when you're approaching Jimmy Butler and trying to get him to re-sign, you know, if, it, if it's still an issue, and same with Taj Gibson. Like, I know those guys are loyal to Tibbs because they played under Tibbs in Chicago and they... Mm they respect him, but at the same time you heard Gibson and Teague throughout this season, there were some like public comments basically saying like, we're tired, play the bench more. And if Tibbs, you know, like if, if you Minnesota's the ownership really needs to like sit down with him and say like, this shit was not acceptable this year. Like we made some great strides, but if you continue, if you don't address these weaknesses, like every you know, this is like exit meetings. Every team has exit meetings with every player, and they say, like, this is what we want you to focus on this summer. Like, you're not a good three-point shooter. Become one. Or, like, really right. work on that shot. For Tibbs, it's going to be, A, learn how to distribute minutes and, like, trust your bench more. We will do what we can to get you a better bench, but you have to, like, we don't have control over those the minutes and the rotations. Right. Like, that's all you, so... You know, we'll do our part to set you up because we're, again, we're going to strip personnel control. We're going to get someone in to really give you a more well-rounded team. And B, embrace math. Like, three is more than two. <laughs> Don't, you, your team cannot shoot the fewest number of threes. Back to the school to, bench tips. Learn right, math. Yeah, yeah. like, we're, right. You just have a chalkboard. It just said three, make him write it over like Bart Simpson. Three yeah. is more than two. Three is more than two. Until it sinks into his head because... Like this is, I know this system worked in Chicago ten years ago, but 
like the the end, you know, the Warriors within the past half decade led to a strategic shift, and the Rockets have followed suit, and like the rest mm-hmm. of the league is also. And Tips forced that change initially, which is the right. fun part. Yeah, right. So yeah. like you need to adapt with the rest of the league, or you're going mm-hmm. to be left behind. So yeah, that that would be my approach with Tibbs this offseason if I was Minnesota. Mm. I am actually curious to see what you would think about switching the role, like actually stripping Tibbs of being head coach and leaving him for free. Because, I mean, what he did trade-wise was pretty good. He signed Taj Gibson to a pretty decent deal. I mean, obviously there was a lot of assistance coming from the entire front office staff. I mean, he didn't do it alone. Um, But he seems to have like a solid understanding of how to build a team the question is though if like like the three is more than two argument that's still a thing in the front office like because if you go out and you sign guys who are not strong three-point shooters Mm. and you go oh we can win either way then you're effectively screwing your whole team so yeah uh i mean given the type of contract negotiations they're about to have starting with towns this summer and then with butler and presumably teague next summer i would be reluctant like i just get a fucking salary cap guy in there like this is what like these paging mark deeks right like like, i'm sure they have a cap guy but i'm sure tibbs like ignores him and calls him a nerd (laughs) and kicks him like (laughs) (laughs) like this is like these teams that don't have these you know that rely on these coaches for gms like it's just so dumb like there are people who corner threes are a good thing (laughs) right like there are people who are very good at this kind of stuff oh absolutely and and just like in the basketball journalism sphere like not Mm. even we don't even know in terms of actual all the block boys yeah like i'm i'm relatively convinced a mark deeks or an eric pinkus could run a front office better than a Stan Van Gundy or a Tom Thibodeau. Oh, I, I don't think that's even a question. And that's really what's at times heartbreaking about this league, isn't it? Like I sometimes mean, yeah. you just get guys who are in charge of huge things and getting like millions a year and you just look at it and go, a toddler can do better. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, I, I would I would lean toward keeping Tibbs as the coach rather than GM. I would, I would want a GM with like experience mm. negotiating that kind of stuff, especially considering the <clears throat> types of issues they're about right. to encounter. Next I would year. force one thing upon Tips's coaching life. Was that an offensive coordinator? Yeah, yeah. Like I and and if he if he resigns because of that, so be it. But yeah, I I need to see some improvements offensively. Like Help. what he's doing is like he what he's done all year is just basically letting Jimmy play point guard. Right, That's, like ironically, their their offense was good last this year. Like they were fourth in terms of offensive efficiency. Like their defense was the weak spot. But like I agree, the, the system the players right. right. Like the system was not sound. It was just like we have Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns, and you don't exactly. I mean, Jimmy Butler. I think you could get so much more out of Jimmy if. Here's the thing, back when he was in Chicago, I used to scream at the front office. Like to get him help in terms of shooters, like yeah, you you know the Seth Curry ITI floated around. Yep. Then they signed Dwayne Wade and Rashawn Rondo. Like yeah. <clears throat> we honestly don't know what Jimmy Butler could become if he was right. surrounded by shooters. Yep, 
and I have I happen to believe that he would be a whole level above what he is right now. Like the perception, like he's always been good. I yeah. think he's a lot closer to James Harden than what people think. Like the the mm-hmm. average fan thinks. Yeah. But yeah. oh my god, that would be become real if right. he had shooters around him. I agree. So that that actually leads me to my big question for the Timberwolves, aside from Tom Thibodeau one, and I know you're gonna enjoy this. Should they be shopping Andrew Wiggins? Uh yeah. <laughs> so I ask this because I saw Nate Jones of Goodwin Sports, who's you know, Jones on the NBA on Twitter. He mentioned it last night, and he actually pitched a deal centered around Wiggins for C.J. McCollum, which I think is actually pretty interesting for both sides. I don't think it's interesting for Portland, but yeah, I mean, I would love it for the Timberwolves. <laughs> look, I mean, That's fair. Look, look, we're talking about how Yusuf Nurkic needs to develop a three. Yeah. And you add in Andrew Wiggins, so you have two non-shooters in the lineup, and you take one who's an elite shooter off. I don't yeah. like that for Portland. Uh, I mean, Wiggins, he's not a good three-point shooter, but he did hit 33.1% from three out of 4.1. Wow, less than, I, the, less than the third. I know, yeah. I know. But, like, he is capable of hitting three-pointers, whereas we have literally not seen Yusuf Nurkic hit a three-pointer That's in his NBA career so far. Andrew but, Wiggins is capable of hitting a three in less than one-third of a time. Yep. Right, yeah. No, I, I mean, your point... Is sound and like I don't want this to turn into another let's crap on Andrew Wiggins because we've done that a lot this year. But I think the overall point is like, yeah, I think you know, a there is the report from Darren Wolfson, um, Derek James of fifteen hundred ESPN relayed it. I think it was like in mid March, where he said uh, Wiggins is getting frustrated being like the third banana behind Jimmy and Towns, which tough shit. Like yeah. you're. <laughs> Basically, I mean, yeah. like, it's the same thing with Carmelo behind Russ and PG. Like, you're not as good as them. So, yes. Like, <laughs> your coach has accurately identified that you are not as good as the other these other two players, and he's distributed shots accordingly. Like, uh, who cares? So, uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm Minnesota, you know, Wiggins, like, there is still upside there. I'm going to... I'm going to go to my yeah, grave okay. saying this. Oh, I, I never disagreed with that. By the yeah. way, if we talk about how great Chris Middleton is, we, we'd have like our the NBA the pop trifecta. <laughs> yeah, we really would. Yeah, unfortunately, that has to wait until we do the Eastern Conference. But yeah. that will be coming regardless. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's at least a conversation that Minnesota should explore this summer. Oh, yeah, I, yeah absolutely. I, I mean, I, I do that. The McCollum idea caught my eye so i was like oh wow that would actually you're right for for portland it, like minnesota would probably have or they would definitely i would assume have to throw in more like i don't think you could do a straight one for one swap oh no no but, no, no yeah no. but like that's it's pretty interesting it is but you know what i remember when i floated a trade idea consisting of aforementioned chris middleton uh-huh. for wiggins i oh, was yeah. laughed off yeah no it's it i mean i'm just saying yeah like i i know i think in terms of right that was now, like two years you... ago by the way right well because two years ago at least wiggins you know when you could cling to the upside it was only two years into his career now we've seen him just be the same player like 
a high volume middling efficiency who doesn't really do anything else aside from score and even you know, that he doesn't do well I mean, right, right, right. Yeah, that's yeah. The middling efficiency. Like, oh my god, we're crapping on him again. I'm sorry. That's well, no, it's no, not no, my attention. But... It just happens because when you're not delivering, it you know, right. Like that. Yeah. Who would you rather have right now, Chris Middleton or Andrew Wiggins? Anyone who says Andrew Wiggins is wrong. That said, Andrew Wiggins, like he's much younger. Mm. If he does develop, you know, if if like Jimmy Butler's tutelage eventually sinks in and pays off. Like you, he still has the upside. It's just like I'm becoming less and less convinced he's gonna reach that upside. Like he, mm. he's not, you know, he's not the next Michael Jordan, or he's not like the next LeBron that he was hailed as coming into the draft. Like he could still be an All Star one day, maybe. Yeah, but like he could. Uh, just yeah, I just wanted to say that. Don't think for a second I'm not in agreement here. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Okay, because people think I just I look at him as a sort of a G League player. That's not no, the case. no, no, no. Yeah, like he okay. he can still be a high level NBA player, right. but like on this Timberwolves team, I think there would be better ways to spend twenty five million dollars as they're going to have to starting next year. Mm. So that goes into the the question. We had a similar question about Portland, like Portland. Without factoring any free agents, Minnesota's already $110 million in terms of guaranteed salary next year. So, you know, assuming they don't trade Wiggins or anything. Um, Jamal Crawford has a $4.5 million player option. Uh, Bielica's <coughs> yeah. going to be a restricted free agent. They don't really have anyone uh, else of note. Uh, right. I guess Cole, Cole Aldridge actually he's he's got almost seven million non guaranteed. I'm going to guess that he is going bye bye uh, before that guarantee kicks in, which I think is in the end of yeah. Oh yeah, he's gone June. Yeah. Uh, he's yeah, got yeah. two million guaranteed uh, according to Basketball Insiders, but yeah, they'd save five million basically by cutting him or four point nine million by cutting him. So yeah, that was always a bad he, deal. Yeah, you have to assume he's gone, but. Again, that doesn't leave them much space uh, before they brush up against the luxury tax. So are there any free agents who you have in mind, not named Derrick Rose, that they should be going (laughs) after this summer? Oh, it's a good question. I haven't really scoured the free agency pool yet, like, intensively. Not to the extent where I can sit here and identify mid-level exception guys yet. So I I, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable. The reason I ask it is because if you're if you're in that boat, if you're a mid-level guy, if you're a guy who's just like ready to ring chase and you're ready to take the minimum, Minnesota is not. It's not the place where you're gonna choose first, right? Like you're you're gonna oh, no. say Golden State, you're gonna say Houston, you're gonna say Boston, you're gonna say Philly, then Minnesota might you know wherever LeBron ends up. But, like, then we could start getting into the Minnesota tier. But, like, I don't think they're going to have their pick of the litter because they're not going to be able to offer more money than any other team. Like, they're all going to be working with the same amount of Mm. money. So, like, I I don't think they're going to get that top-tier mid-level guy or that top-tier, you know, like a a Bellinelli or an Ilyasova or, like, guys who are willing to just ring chase and uh, Isaiah Thomas? Oh, <laughs> fuck. God. 
I mean, you're yeah, you're not. I mean, yeah, you're I, not I'm wrong. Just saying, I, like, I, don't, I mean, I, I would guess he's not gonna. He will not be signing a mid level on the first day of free agency. Would be no, nice. no, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna, saying, like, if they didn't, they don't find anyone. He doesn't find a yeah. deal. I mean, that's not the guy they need at all. But you can't right. really look a gift horse in its mouth. Yeah. So if he yeah. wants to go there, it'd be like, hmm, okay. I would say a guy like Hazonia would actually be kind of interesting there. Yeah. Oh, yeah, very much. Very much. Um, Or, like, I mean, because it's Tibbs, I feel like you have to just basically prioritize veterans. So maybe, like, an Anthony Tolliver. I love Anthony Tolliver, but he's, like, 32 at this point. They need some youth. They need youth. Hazonia is actually a pretty smart – that would be a pretty smart signing. Yeah. Here's what would hurt a little bit. Like during if if Hisonia keeps going upwards, like his trajectory right now is, right. is pretty good. Yeah. At what point does a tweet come out like in the middle of the season comparing his stats to Wiggins? Oh, like his advanced yeah. numbers yeah. are looking very similar, and you just yeah. like yeah. attach his contract's number. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a that's a fair a very fair question. Uh, you know, another Rodney Hood could be an interesting guy as well. Depending. Oh, he's on gonna him. get more though. Cleveland yeah, kind of probably. they don't have an argument. They need yeah. to like pay more, he, even though he's, he hasn't been good. Like, he's been he bad. Just, yeah, he he's been bad. More, I don't think. But you're right. He probably is going to be more. But yeah, I mean that the reason I ask it is because like I don't think there are that many really good options for them. So I feel like they're going to have to run back the same core more or less, which is fine. Like if Jimmy Butler doesn't get hurt, they're probably. I mean, they're probably a fifty-win team. They're oh, yeah. 47 without him, so you have to assume another year under Tibbs' system. Like, they would probably be a top four seed in the West, but right again, barring like dramatic changes from any of these players, just feels like they're still a step below. But we've still yet, even though we've talked about the Timberwolves for 20, 25 minutes, we've yet to hit on the biggest thing. What's that? Carl Anthony Towns does not seem happy. He seems to have, I don't want to say regressed, because I don't feel he's regressed. I don't, I, he's just stagnated. That's the word I was looking for. He's sort of stagnated, and you hear all the rumplings about him not being happy, and he uses he used to play with joy. Mm-hmm. Like, these things matter. I know that people are like, oh, that doesn't matter. When you earn your paycheck, you shouldn't matter whether you're, like, happy or not. Mm-hmm. That shit matters. Like, if you're not happy, you're not going to get put forth your best effort. You're not going to be dominating. You're not going to be the guy who you ultimately want to become. Mm-hmm. So I feel at some point we're going to have to look at that situation. We're going to have to gauge, like, is Carl okay? Is yeah. he going to be the guy who wants to be there long term? Is he going to be the guy who really wants to establish himself as like a Minnesota stronghold. Right. I'm, I'm not sure right now. And and then you have to identify, like if the answer is no, then you have to identify why not. And you have to correct mm-hmm. that. Likely mm-hmm. it means tips, but what yeah. the hell do you do if the answer is not tips, but Jimmy Butler? Oof. I mean, I, I would assume, much like I've assumed with Kawhi, that just... 150 million dollars has a good way of smoothing things over but it's a fair question and some guys just don't work that way though like some yeah. people even though they earn a lot of money if they're not happy 
Like, that's very important. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with Kristaps when the Knicks, not this year, but, like, remember he, like, skipped the exit meetings and was, oh, yeah. his brother was talking about him, like, not taking an extension from them and playing like qualifying, qualifying, qualifying <laughs> offer. <laughs> yeah, which I don't think that's an option anymore. But, I mean, I, I, I think Towns... I think Towns is in this one, in Minnesota for the long haul. I, I do think whatever issues he has with the organization, he has enough cachet that they will, like, they'll build around him rather than vice versa. They're, like, they, they know that he is their franchise player and mm-hmm. that he's the guy they want to build around for the next 10 to 15 years. Obviously, they hope he gets better defensively, but... You know, I, I don't think that's a huge issue on their end, but it's it's a fair point. Yeah. All right, boy. Let's close things out with the San Antonio Spurs, and we we've been dancing around the Kawhi question for weeks now. So mm-hmm. let's let's I, talk. I, I love the outline in the email, by the way. Time <laughs> yeah. for the big Kawhi discussion. Yeah. Like we know nothing about this situation, and we <laughs> well. We know nothing. I know, I know. It's it's fair, but what it, like we we've seen reports now that the Spurs. I forget who reported it. Uh, I want to say someone from. I think it was Michael C. Wright from ESPN. Um, that the Spurs like top priority this summer is having a big sit down meeting with Kawhi. Mm. There is some reluctance in the organization to give also him called that. the Lamarcus Aldridge special. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. The uh, yeah. So there's some reluctance in the organization apparently to give him that big 219 million dollar supermax until they smooth things over, which makes sense. Do you think things get smoothed over more, or do you think there are some serious quads trade discussions this summer? Well, I think they go hand in hand. Like I think there will be some pretty big trade discussions if <laughs> things are not smooth smoothed over. I mean, yeah. Which which side do you lean right now? It's you know, a part of me was was kind of hesitant to bring up this first because we there are so many variables we don't know about. Um, mm-hmm. Like when 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 Pop lost his wife recently, Aaron. Mm-hmm. Um, we we like let's be honest here. We don't know if Pop is coming back. Right. I don't we think don't. we know. I don't think anyone knows. If Pop decides to retire, that changes everything. Like yeah, the entire culture changes from one day to another. Um, you really don't know who's going to stick around, who's not going to stick around. So, so I'm. We're just left with so many big questions that it's in, that's an impossible thing to answer. I mean, I hope, I hope that he sticks around. I hope everything works out. And, but but here's what I won't say. I won't say that I hope Pop comes back because. Yeah. That that I, that's not my call. That's not my decision. Right. I mean, he just had one of the biggest losses in his life, I presume. I mean, it would have to be they were married for over 40 years. Mm-hmm. And and whatever whatever he decides, I mean, he's earned it. If he wants to yeah. come back, perfect. You know, that's that's awesome. If he wants to retire, also perfect. That's awesome. Like mm-hmm. you know, we should all bow down in his glory, honestly. <laughs> Right. Um, so I, I think the Kawhi question is so difficult to isolate because of all these yeah. unknown factors. I, I will say this for Spurs basketball, which has meant a great deal to all of us, even you know non fans as us of the Spurs. Mm-hmm. It's been a it's been such a class organization. 
for yeah. decades. Right. That you you want to see the best happen to them. Yep. And because of that, I, I hope things get smoothed over with Kawhi. I hope they figure something out that makes sense for both sides. I hope they get some clarification on what the hell happened this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I hope that both sides sits, sits down for like five hours and they gain a higher understanding of each other and where they, where they came from. I yeah. hope they embrace and I hope they apologize to one another. And whatever happens in terms of like, let's split up, let's stick together. Mm-hmm. I hope that if they end things, I hope they end things on good terms. Yeah. That's really what I can say to this situation. I think this situation was much easier like a month ago, mm-hmm. you know, before that horrendous loss. Uh, yeah. Because I think that changes a lot and, and rightfully so. That's a fair point. It looms over a lot of their other decisions this summer too. Like Tony Parker is a free agent. He says he wants to come back. Mm. If Pop comes back, I, I would assume they would bring him back. Oh, yeah. You know, he said, like, Parker has said he's fine with being a backup behind Murray, which is great because yeah. that's, that's what he needs to be. But, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like a fair question if Pop retires, would Tony as well? Would he then be less attached to the Spurs? You're right. Like, uh, I feel like every team that got knocked out in the first round of the West has some uncertainty hanging over them. No, no organization more so than the Spurs right now. No, right? They're they're in. Is it is it too harsh to say they're in flux? Because I kind of feel it like is though. Like they they still have a very well established culture that they can lean right. on. Like yeah. Pop leaves, regardless if he leaves or not. Like, but let's assume for a second that he does. He'll still leave a footprint for yeah. the entire organization to rally behind, which I think is crucial for their continued success. Yep. But ultimately, you will have to change the cultures to some degree. Mm-hmm. I mean, personalities shape cultures, and a new right. personality. I mean, it's you're not getting a pop clone. You are I getting could, a game. Yeah, I could see like one of like a Messina just taking over, and you right. know them trying to continue. Like, I don't think if Pop resigned, I don't think they would go outside the organization, with the possible exception of bringing Budenholzer back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I don't think they would like. I think they they would try to keep it in the Spurs family, just right, to but ha- that's... try to maintain some semblance of culture. But you're right, like yeah, even... if a Messina takes over or Ime Aduka takes over, right. it's still going to be different than Greg Popovich, who is exactly because it's not Greg, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I mean... he's been the rock on that community for more than twenty years. So exactly, and and yeah. you know it might not be a bad thing. I mean, because at some point, regardless, I mean, even if Pop, you know. A coach until you know he passed away theoretically mm-hmm. um, then that change would come eventually down the line regardless right. like he was right. even toying with the idea of hanging him up before the markets came aboard mm-hmm. so it it's kind of inevitable and it, it might not be the worst thing in the world for the Spurs to sort of think about the future like with with this all this uncertainty, it might be a good thing for R.C. Buford to sit down with the front office even and go, okay, we have so many unknown factors playing right now that it might be a a very good exercise for us to try to think five years ahead and and mm-hmm. try to imagine what this would be like under a a different management and a different uh, different line of thinking, like a new coach. I mean, mm-hmm. how do we adapt? How do we maintain the core of the values that we have? And, and what areas are we going to be more flexible in? 
And to that note, I'll just say this. Apparently, Frank Isola, or yeah, I don't yeah, know, how, right, yeah, right, right, said right. that practice time was a big concern yeah. of Kawhi. Yeah. Um, <laughs> spoiler, we don't know the source to this one, but we know for a fact that's not the case. Yeah. Well, we, I mean, the Spurs just don't practice as much they as don't most organizations and like it was um john diaz on twitter who he's a he houston via san antonio but he writes for project spurs he he refuted that report oh yeah uh, i believe it was friday he said it's well documented how little the spurs practice during the season that so the was fact that was... there's a story right. where Kawhi demands pop to lighten up practice is hilarious yeah. also the new york daily news lol like that, that's the thing like everyone knows it Right. That that's that's that was my joke. Yeah. But yeah. that that's the thing, right? Everyone knows it. Like we've we, the Spurs are the definition of sitting guys out. Right. Of keeping, you know, fresh legs, fresh mentalities like a thing. They are mm-hmm. the one who's gotten in trouble with the NBA so many times for sitting healthy players. Yep. They don't overwork their players in practice. It is such an absurd idea that everyone knows it, apparently, except for Frankie Sola. Yeah. Which is just, and that was my point. Like, everyone knows it. Spoiler, everyone knows it. It's dumb. And I I think it speaks to a larger point in that we'll see, we've seen a lot of reporting about this Kawhi situation, and we'll continue to see a lot. And most of it is probably bullshit. Like, we just don't know what's going... The only people who know what's going on with that situation, not even the people in the locker room, I think. Like, the teammates have said, we don't really know. The only people who know what's going on are Kawhi, R.C. Buford, and Pop. And if those three guys can hammer out their differences, then, you know, then I I think we'll see Kawhi sign the Supermax this summer, and the Spurs will continue being the Spurs. And if they can't, we'll reevaluate then. But... Mm. Um, yeah, I, your point to like, yeah, I'm not going to trust a reporter from the New York Daily News to have a well-sourced, <laughs> you know. Uh, no, I mean, look, everyone who's close to the game, like you and I and everyone else who's just like following the NBA on an hourly basis mm-hmm. knows this. And yeah. for some reason, the Isola piece got a lot of burn on Twitter. A yep. lot of people were like, oh, my God, Pop should turn, dial it down. Right. You are dumb. I'm sorry, but if you do not know that the Spurs are this kind of franchise that values, you know, rest and right. <laughs> don't overwork their players and practice and never, and obviously not games. Like, then you haven't been paying attention. Sorry, yeah. you're not dumb. That was harsh of me. I apologize. Right. That's harsh. Right. Right. But you are uninformed. Stop yeah. saying those things. It's not true. It's that is dumb. Like that's that entire situation is just not. And has never been an issue. And I think that's one of the things that the Spurs are going to continue with. Because why stop a thing that works? You know? I mean, they would never get a Tom Thibodeau character in there. Never. Never, ever, ever. I think they will screen every possible head coach so well for (laughs) past weaknesses. Yeah. I would agree. Uh, All right. Well, that's a good place to wrap up. We will be back. Uh, on Monday, we'll have an episode about uh, Eastern Conference. We will preview the semifinals, and then we'll also do the by Felicia for the four teams that got knocked out there. So keep an eye out on our Twitter account, the NBA Pod, on Twitter, uh, at the NBA Pod. 
you can find our Twitter handles in our bio as well. So we'll be tweeting out the links throughout the week too. So check those out. You can also find us on iTunes. So please subscribe, download, leave some five-star reviews. We'd love any feedback. And we're being hosted now on the Almighty Baller Podcast Network. So check them out on Twitter at AlmightyCasts. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined, as always, by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I, I can I can never have a good one again because I, I have to go watch Infinity War every single day. It's that good. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we, we will we'll save our spoilers for next episode. But in the meantime, everyone go see it so we don't ruin it for you. Yeah, like everyone. And we will spoil it in a week. Yeah, <laughs> right. All right, later, Mort. Later. People have gathered around ideas since the beginning of time. Each successful collaboration pushing innovation forward, building a stronger future. Motorists Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have combined decades of experience to create an even better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders. Encircling businesses and individuals with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.